Hi everybody, thanks for checking in once again. This is Al Gonzalez, and today we will chat about engaging the reluctant learner. That is going to be a challenge this year as we begin the year across the screen with virtual schooling. Let's just say that when we got our credentials, we had a technology class or a technology test but we were not trained to do what we're about to do or have started to do already. Nonetheless, we're teachers, we're educators, we're gonna put our best foot forward, we're gonna get things done. So to start off, let's think about young people that we worked with in the last number of months or last number of days for some of you who started the school year already and have that person in mind as I go through some ideas with you about how to engage young people who are reluctant or resistant or are slow to engage over the screen. One way to do this is to make it personal. So for a moment, let's just consider you're that student who's a little reluctant, a little resistant to start school. What do you need to know or what do you need to feel from your teacher to engage a little bit more? Oftentimes, you'll want to feel comfortable. Certainly you'll want to feel safe. You'll want to feel valued. You want to be recognized. You want to be acknowledged. So when we think about reluctance from the young person's perspective, a lot of it is very emotional. And it makes sense because we're in a personal profession. So when we can keep people at the heart of this, and what I mean by heart is emotion, when we understand the emotions of our young people, we're more likely to understand them and make moves and invitations and use language that will allow them to engage just a little bit more than the day before. Now, if you've been reluctant or worried or anxious, resistant to some activity in your time, in your lifetime, then you know to make progress takes time. So the other concept in this personal profession that we're engaged in is that progress takes time. So when you speak with young people, when you're encouraging them, feel free to add in those conversations, in those encouraging words, some sense of time. That might sound like, I'm so excited to have you on screen, everybody. You look wonderful today. Everybody looks like they're ready for a great lesson looks like they're ready to accomplish something wonderful today. Now, as we start our lesson, boys and girls, just remember that if you don't get it right away, you will over time. I got your back. We'll work together in the next few days. And even if we have to, we'll revisit this next week. So when you give the sense of time to the young people that something doesn't have to be done right away, that they don't have to get it right away, Sometimes that can alleviate the reluctance and you might have an opportunity to engage that young person just a little bit more. One point I'd like to share is the idea of success. Now, success will have to be defined. Success meaning doing well. Success meaning mastering a skill. Success meaning following directions. So when you ever use the word success, make sure you define it. What I'd like to share with you about success today is to promote that you share 
that success equals fun. When we're successful, we're having fun. When we're successful, we want to do that activity again because it was fun. Oftentimes, we put the fun first. But what I'm promoting is promoting the success. And when children are experiencing that, make sure they know that they're having fun. And keep in mind also that it's not fun to mess up. It's not fun when you're not supported through mistakes. And it's not fun to fail if no one's going to help you. So if success is not happening at any given point, make sure they find some value, some point of making progress so that you can bring back the idea of fun. Another point I'd like to share is from my experience to support young people who are reluctant or resistant or struggling to engage. So as a reminder, everybody, our job is to figure out the cause of disengagement rather than to become frustrated by the disengaged behavior. There tends to be three causes to disengagement that I've noticed over my time as an educator. Number one, from the student's perspective, the risk is too great to try the work. From their perspective again, I wasn't good at that last year. I'm not good at it now. I probably will never be good at it in the future. Risk, for the most part, in my experience, falls under two categories. The risk is too great, and therefore, I have a fear of failure. Or, the risk is too great, and I have a fear of success. The fear of failure is just what it says. I don't want to fail. Therefore, students undermine themselves, undermine their efforts. They become suddenly distracted. They start talking to a neighbor. Maybe they raise their hand. What they're doing is trying to avoid failure and they've come up with a lot of coping mechanisms to do so. We cannot be distracted by those coping behaviors. We must acknowledge that perhaps as we teach and present whatever we're presenting that moment, it might be too much from that child's perspective. The risk is too great. On the other side, a fear of failure is fear of success. Again, from the student's point of view, the fear of success is, I've done it once, Maybe I've done it twice, but my luck's going to run out. I don't think I could sustain my run of success. So I don't want to be surprised when I mess up, so I'm going to undermine myself. I'm not going to try. I'm going to rush through the work real quick, turn it in, and hope you don't notice that I have not done a good job. If I have a fear of success, I don't want to be surprised by the bad grade. So I will plan to earn a bad grade. I fear that my run of success is going to end and I don't want to be surprised and get caught. So I might tell you that, mm, is there anything easier I can do? Or I'm bored. Or some kids, when the risk is too great, flat out tell us, I don't get it. And we want specificity about what they don't get. But in general, that's a call for help that we need to respond to. The second reason I find that serves as a cause of disengagement is that students just aren't connected or they have a limited sense of relationships with us as a teacher or in the classroom amongst themselves as a group of peers. So from a student's perspective, what they're thinking is, I don't know, I don't like, and I don't trust these people on the screen or in this classroom. 
it is a challenge to create strong connected relationships across the screen, but it's something we have to aim to do. The more connections children have to us, to each other, the greater they the greater chance they have at sustaining these relationships that will help them overcome the risks that they perceive a class assignment presents. The third cause of disengagement from my experience is that the content and the process that we're using in the lesson are both new. And in that case, it prevents a sort of intellectual wave that students feel overwhelmed by. And what I'm going to promote is that we do one thing at a time. For example, if we're teaching something new, we want to use an old process. If we're teaching a new process, we want to use some familiar or old content. So for example, if in our last unit we were using counters to build our numbers in an early elementary classroom, and our counters were yellow disks, then when we first introduce addition, we should bring back those yellow counters because they represent something familiar when using numbers. We shouldn't bring out something new like cubes. Revisit old processes when you introduce new content. Or if you're going to introduce a new process, make sure the content is familiar. So for example, if we're introducing a new graphic organizer as a process, then to introduce that graphic organizer, we should use familiar content. If we're in a science class and we are using a graphic organizer that's brand new to the students, let's go back to old content such as the water cycle or weather systems, whatever they're familiar with as young people. When content or process, again, are both new, it could be overwhelming. So we want to limit the newness to just one, content or process. To close, I just want to share with you one more idea. Oftentimes, when we interact with reluctant young people, or resistant, or bored, whatever language the kids are using, we often call them unmotivated. But I'm not quite sure that that's always the case. So one definition of motivation I subscribe to is Expectation Theory of Motivation by Wigfield and Eccles from 1999. They propose that expectancy times value equals motivation. And notice I use the word times because this is actually a multiplication problem. Expectancy times value equals motivation. It's multiplicative. So if expectancy or value is very close to zero from the learner's perspective, the motivation, of course, will be very, very low. And if one of them, from the learner's perspective, is zero, then there's no motivation. So let's explore expectancy. The extent to which the learner expects success in learning is expectancy. The learner thinks, I'll be successful. I expect to do well on this. But if the expectancy score is low, they don't think they'll do well. You need to provide opportunities for success, be explicit in the directions and in the outcome, offer specific feedback that helps that child make progress, 
and communicate a climate of support for learning that will help you raise the expectancy score for your learners. On the value side, the value of the learning to the learner is high. You have an opportunity for high motivation. The learner feels it's worth it. I value this. It's interesting. But if your value score from the learner's perspective is low, then we need to sell our topic better. We need to make it more appealing. In some way, we need to offer why it's relevant to the young people in front of us, why it's important to know how it could be used in the future. So if we can raise how a child expects to be successful and raise the value of what we're teaching, you end up with a high product, a product of motivation. So to review our time together today, we're talking about reluctant learners. And from my experience, I wanted to promote the idea that we explore the cause of why someone would be reluctant or resistant or a bit nervous or anxious to engage with us over the screen. I shared that from my experience. There's three foundational reasons for students to feel reluctant. They might perceive the activity to be too risky. They may not feel connected or have limited relationships with you or the classroom to engage. Or as you teach, you might teach new content and new process at the same time, and that can be overwhelming. And finally, I share with you my thoughts about motivation. I hope you found a little bit of this helpful to you as you think about the young person or the young people that have been reluctant to engage with you on the screen as we begin a new school year in this August of 2020. Thank you everybody for checking in. I will share more with you later. Be safe, teach well, thanks.